Greetings, travelers. Greetings, travelers. That was good, Erica. I like Thank that. Thank you. So. Well, you know, we're starting off this year with a bang. So, you know, oh. in our nocturnal new yearness. Nocturnal um, new year. Yes. Nocturnal new year. Did you have Destiny do a whole song around that. We um, we could or something. I don't know. You know um, but uh, uh, I'm Mark Muncy. This is Erica Lance. And yes. you are listening to Eerie Travels. We're trying different intros. Please let us know what you like. And, you know, we, 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 we prefer wonderful comments and emails to let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. We have yes. the producer puts the magic together and says, all right, your intros were getting stale. Let's come up with something fun. So, yeah, no. So we don't, we don't have an auto intro anymore. We just have yeah. our amazingness, hopefully reminding you of who the hell we are. So, yeah. <laughs> And we're also not going to do the like, share, subscribe all the time because that was also the other thing. So, although I, I just you just threw that in there and said we weren't going to do it. That's how we're going to try to sneak it in more, you know, and all that. So, oh my gosh, it's well, a new year. We got to come up with new things, right? That's so. true. That's true. Is we're in our second show of the new year, Mark. What in the heck are we going to talk about today? Our New Year's resolutions? No, no. Oh. <laughs> What's oh god, can of worms there. Can yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, I can share one New Year's resolution that I have, and but it was medically, I'm gonna say it was medically induced. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, I have to be gluten free. So oh, wow. apparently I'm not like, and I got I'm allergic to gluten, but um both mine and um my other half's doctor was like, we think you guys should try to do some gluten free and see how mm -hmm. that goes. So we're doing an eight-week gluten-free, okay. and then she's like, why don't you try eating regular pizza after this eight weeks? Because she said pizza is like one of the most gluten-filled yeah, meals. and Bread-covered bread with tomato sauce on top. So. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, let's see how your body reacts to that. And I'm, I'm you know, it's going well, but I'm a little bit terrified what the hell that means. Yeah, well, yeah, there, there are people who... You'll live by it, so good for them. Yeah, I am uh, trying a little low carb myself this year, so uh, that's just me. I want to try to get back down a little bit in the weight. So me I too. Out, yep, that's what I figured wouldn't hurt. So it's New Year's. It's time for new things, and we did our cinnamon. But all of us did. I think the whole crew yeah. did the cinnamon thing on the the first. So that's good. That's good. I think I think we should uh, try things. You know, when in bulk rolls around in February 1st, we should definitely do something with St. Bridget's Day and we'll have fun with this. So Yeah, and we have a lot more traveling coming up this year, which is exciting. Oh so yeah. The events are going live on the events page. Our amazing producer is catching that up, Bo. And um, we're going to be at a lot Patreon. of places. The Patreon will be live shortly. Which, yeah. Uh, details soon. Yeah, details soon. But we have that. We have travels. We have you know, exciting other news, which we're not going to fully announce yet, but we oh. may have some travel guides coming on. Yep, yep, yep. It's like we're writers or something. So there's something involving that might might be in the works. I, I don't right. know. So, <laughs> um, But anyway, with that, we're coming up on another anniversary. Now, this isn't until the end of February, but it's one of those I thought we should probably just go ahead and let's get this out of the way i thought this was a fun one to start the year off yeah, yeah. because 
we have been asked by a few of our listeners to do a few more UFOs and things like that, because we've been giving the cryptids a lot of love. We've had interviews with ghost hunters and Bigfoot hunters and all that. So it's time. I've got some UFO experts or, you know, aficionados coming on soon. Did but you uh, agree to come on our podcast? Which, uh, no, I, you know, I should, you know, I haven't even thought about asking. You know, X, if you want to come on the podcast, you seem to have a lot of um, knowledge and stuff. So open invitation. Consider this an open invitation. Yes. But, um, okay, so where are we going then on our UFO journey? I just got goosebumps. What did we just do? I don't know what you just did, but X, um, much like Robert the doll, (laughs) I consider you a friend. I love your emails, X. You're, You're definitely part of the show. You're definitely Erie Travels fam. So I, I think he's part of the Erie Travels team. I know. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. So um, we are going to set our Wayback Machine to, well, before we can do the February event, we have to go back to a day that will live in infamy. Oh, an infamy day. I love infamy days. Where What is an infamy day? December 7th, 1941. Okay. And do you know what that day is? Every American should know that day. You were just there, Erica, in Hawaii. Oh, was that Pearl Harbor? That's Pearl Pearl Harbor Harbor Day. Yes. Sometimes my little drunk gnome in my head takes a moment to find that post-it for me and remind me of what I'm thinking. Yes, yes. So uh, Pearl Harbor, I mean, that could be an episode in and of itself, although, you know, not a lot of ghost stories and all that, although, you know, there, there is, um, but what happened was Japan decided they weren't happy with us. So they decided to bomb Pearl Harbor and they declared war on us. They intended to declare war on us an hour or two before the attack, right? They had sent it to their ambassador in Washington, D.C. They had sent this big, long, intricate, coded letter that was describing all of the infractions they considered we had done against them that justified this attack. And it took them forever to translate it. So by the time they translated it and got it to the White House, Pearl Harbor attack had already occurred. And for those who don't know what that was, is a naval base near Honolulu, Hawaii. And It was a surprise attack. They were able to go in and destroy what was then the American Navy. Several of them were tied together. Several boats were anchored together. All this other stuff. They figured if they could take out everything here, it took us out of the war before it even started. Yeah. That was Japan's plan. And what happened was it went exactly like it happened there there were what was funny was there was some of the intelligence people realized an attack was coming somewhere in our area uh, of the pacific some of the places we had that we had forces in the pacific and so they sent warnings out to all the bases in the pacific and they sent them out as telegrams and a telegram comes in to pearl harbor and a young boy on a bike gets the telegram and is sent to take it to Pearl Harbor High Command. Oh, wow. As a bike messenger. And he starts taking it 
across the island and then the attack happens he sees the planes we see the explosions he finally gets there and delivers it to the high command after the attack is over saying imminent attack be on alert yeah because it was and Sunday it was morning two hours was how long that attack took two hours yep. two hours so by the time he got through it all after he had taken cover he hands the letter off so it's it's pretty crazy how it all worked out but we weren't as beat up as we thought so we were able to fight back at midway all this i'm not going to go into full world war ii history here and i'm not doing full harbor history my apologies but i just thought we need to have a little context for this and that there's all these little weird coincidences and that's why what happens is the weeks following right mm -hmm. we are convinced that the next raid is going to be somewhere on the continental u.s yeah and in japan they thought hey we've taken them out of the fight you know they they may not even come after us you know we did such a good job of disabling them there is no yeah. point in looking forward to the fact yeah. that that's yeah, not yeah, yeah. going to happen now what happened was we had developed this new technology mm -hmm. that was being deployed everywhere and that was radar right yes radar is now going up all over the united states because we don't know we're already you know germany is at war with our allies in Europe, and they may, and they're sinking boats in the Atlantic. Are they going to come up? We were worried about them along the Florida coast. We were worried about mm -hmm. them along, you know, anywhere on the Atlantic. And now we're worried about the Japanese along the Pacific. So uh, we start putting the radar things up. And the problem is, is we have a lot of inexperienced radar people, right? And sonar yeah. people. And so we're getting fishing boats are coming up. And that's a Japanese sub. A large whale came up, and they were convinced it was a submarine, you know, that was coming up. Um, so tensions are super high, and it didn't help that the U.S. Secretary of War, Henry Stimson, at that point, goes on the radio, which we've already discussed with our uh, all these talks we did about uh, War of the Worlds and all that, how yeah. important radio was. Uh, he goes on the radio and says, America should be prepared to accept occasional blows from enemy, enemy forces. Mm -hmm. So, and this is all right around the holidays. Right. So everybody's panicking. So we start learning about things like, you know, how to prepare for air raid drills and how to do all these things. And it gets to a boiling point, right? Things are going crazy. We did, now what's fun is they've kept some of this stuff under wraps. Yeah. Tell people. A German sub landed in Pensacola to drop off a spy, a group of spies. Oh my gosh, really? Spread, they were going to spread throughout the United States and meet up in Washington, D.C. And they were going to be, you know, fifth columnists from Germany. And everybody thought that was propaganda. No, that really happened. And the oh, only wow. reason we caught them is we caught their first one who dropped off somewhere near Baltimore and we caught him and interrogated him and he told the whole plan. <laughs> so, so they were <laughs> in Pensacola. They were not the brightest uh, bulbs in the drawer here. Uh, but back to the Pacific coast, things like that, rumors of that were getting out because we didn't want people to be vigilant for that. 
but we didn't want to tell them it was actually happening because we didn't want too much of a panic. Um, so West Coast, we've already had a couple false alarms. And on February 23rd, 1942, now this is a day not a lot of people know about, a Japanese submarine surfaced off the coast of Santa Barbara, California. And they launched a dozen or so, I, I say 12 to 13 artillery shells and blew up an oil refinery. Okay. No casualties, minor damage, but it was the first time the mainland United States had been hit with anything during World War II. Now, the day after that, we are now on high alert because this submarine hit us with mm -hmm. a thing. And now rumors are that that submarine was lost and hit us because they just needed to hit a target before heading home for their honor. And they had gotten so lost that that's why they wound up in Santa Barbara. Certainly not strategic by any means or anything like that. We cut back to the next day, February 24th. Okay. Naval intelligence said, be ready because of this attack. There might be something else coming. Right. This may have been oh. a preliminary. This may have been a scout. And this could be anything. So everything is calm for a couple of okay. the tension. Can you imagine the tension? Right? Yeah. Now we've put any aircraft everywhere along the coast. We've put, you know, these radar dishes everywhere. We've got militias that are being trained to watch for spotter things because of what we learned from Pearl Harbor. Yeah. You know, there were guys who spotted those planes coming in, but didn't tell anybody. So that's why we were caught. Oh, so unprepared. Now we were having everybody ready for this. But at 2 a.m. on February 25th, military radar picks up contact 120 miles west of Los Angeles. Oh, that's close. That's very close. And coming yeah. in. So air raid sirens are turned on and a blackout's put into effect. And the searchlights go on. Yeah, because if you can't sky. see it, you can't shoot at it. Right. So 3 a.m., the shooting starts. Unidentified object in the skies. Troops in Santa Monica start opening up with their anti-aircraft. 50 caliber machine guns and a bunch of other things. Oh, wow. They start shooting at this thing. They're stabbing the sky with, you know, uh, the quote from the LA Times, powerful searchlights from countless stations stabbed the sky with brilliant probing fingers while anti-aircraft batteries dotted the heavens with beautiful, if sinister, orange bursts of shrapnel. Wow, that's very poetic. Okay. Very poetic. Right. So it looks like to everybody that Los Angeles is under attack. We're oh, hearing wow. the booms. We're hearing everything. And... Somebody sees a vehicle that they said might look like a blimp. I remember the Germans were using Zeppelins and stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, but and that they, would be a long distance for Germany to travel. But it could be a, well, they think it was a Japanese blimp. Oh, okay. Because we know they're allies. But still, that's a long ways to travel in a blimp. Yeah. yeah. So they start shooting at this thing and it's having no effect whatsoever. Oh, wow. Are catching glimpses of it. It's moving at ungodly speeds, right? This is doing way more than they think. 
right? This is this is beyond anything. This is what what is going on. We are under attack. So this becomes known as the Great Los Angeles Air Raid. Japan has brought the war to America, and Los Angeles is the target. And here's uh, a wonderful quote, again, this time from the Los Angeles Observer. And it says, suddenly the night was torn by sirens. Searchlights swept the skies. Gun crews at army posts along the coastline began pumping ack-ack into the moonlight. Uh, in the entire episode, over 1,433 rounds are fired. Oh, wow. Thousands of volunteer air raid wardens are tumbled from their beds, grabbed their boots and helmets, those who had helmets, and rushed into the night. Tens of thousands of citizens, awakened by the screech of sirens and the popping of shells, jumped out of bed, heedless of blackout regulations, began turning on the lights. Because that's what you do, right? You're woken up at 2 in the morning, you hear weird noises, you're going to turn on the lights, you're going to forget there was an air raid, right? Yeah. So now there were injuries. People were running to and fro and stuff like that. And they were hurting themselves. There was a car crash or two. And there was damage. Now, what has gone on, right? What is this? And this paves the way for some terrible history. And we have some other things that blend together uh, into something that we'll talk about in the second half. Okay. But some people said they heard multiple planes. But... One of the persons said that they saw paratroopers coming in. And then there were reports coming in to you know, command that were saying that there were, they there I couldn't see the planes, but they were up there all right. And another report, I saw six planes and shells were bursting all around them. And then once we saw that, we had to get our two sits in. So everybody started shooting like shooting their guns. And basically for about a little over an hour. And then finally there's a ceasefire and all clear. Light of day, they start trying to figure out what happened. As you right? should. As you should. And they're saying that there were no bombs. Oh. Which is interesting, right? If you come right. all this way to attack us, you think they would have brought a few bombs. Yeah, because that was the main method. Because isn't it true that at that time there was not really good, um, I mean, we, we had bombs and that's what planes could do yeah. or anything the air could do to the ground. But it wasn't like, you know, we didn't have missiles yet. We just had bombs. That the brought. V2s were over in Europe. Yeah, they hadn't come, the Japanese yeah. hadn't developed those yet. And they certainly weren't going to be able to launch them across the Pacific. They could barely make it across the English Channel. So, uh, yeah, no missiles, no nothing like that. But there is a lot of destruction everywhere. Okay. And they're trying to figure it out. And they start realizing, wait, some of this is unexploded anti-aircraft that just came back down and smashed buildings and smashed things. They found a dud on Long Beach Golf Course. And several residents had their homes basically destroyed by artillery shells. Oh, wow. So. But that was from them or from, from us. us? Yeah. And five people died. 
mostly as a result of the car accidents or heart attacks. Oh, wow. Now, in a preview of something terrible that was about to happen, they also arrested 20 Japanese Americans for trying to signal the aircraft. What? Yes, they were collaborators, obviously. And it's it's a shame. Yeah. But that was what some people were use this to later be the impetus for opening the internment camps. Oh the, no. So yeah. This is the last straw, and we have to have stuff like that. But now we start going into the reports, right? And some people say they saw the aircraft, they saw all this. And with that, now we've had the history, right? Okay. The American government says this was nerves. This was war nerves. There was no attack. Everybody calmed down. You didn't see anything. This was just, this was a mistake. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't they the droids you're looking for. It was trigger happy servicemen, rudimentary air radar systems that produce some false positives. And they say that uh, our old friend meteorological balloons had been released prior to the barrage. And that's what first triggered the alerts to help them determine wind conditions. What? What? Weather they, balloons. Oh my God. It's the age old weather balloons. It's, this is where it starts. So with that gang, We've got the history portion. Yeah. So let's go take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got some recent updates on this that oh. might explain a little differently. Okay. We'll be right back. Greetings, travelers. Now available on Audible and other audiobook platforms, Eerie Appalachia. Join us, won't you, as we discuss creatures like the Popelik Monster, the White Fangs, the Snallygaster, the Wampus Cat, the Lizard Man of Skateboard Swamp, Bunny Man Bridge, and the Ohio Grassman. All these creatures and more await you if you dare listen to Eerie Appalachia. Presented by Mark Muncie, History Press, and Four Horsemen Publishing. Destiny Beard, the lyrical soprano who will haunt your dreams. With her alluring melodies and intricate harmonies, this dark siren of wistful song shall capture your soul and lead you into the Check out Destiny's new single, The Haunting is Over, with international musicians Sam Haynes and Gary Bennett, as well as her other musical works at destinybeard.com. Wow. All I'm going to say is wow, because I never, I even grew up in Hollywood, California. I've never heard of this. Never heard of the Battle of L.A. A lot of people hadn't, and that's, it's because it was, oh, it was a blip. It was a weather balloon. It was war nerves. Nobody talks about it. Yeah, nobody even thinks about it. Wow. But 
as we've now come into this age of disclosure and this age of UFOs popping up in the, you know, the government's actually talking about them. Some governments of the world have brought what they think are aliens to the, you know, their government meetings. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And stuff like that. So now more and more people are talking about these things and coming back. So the big floating object resembling a balloon, according to the New York Times. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, it was a weather balloon. The more and more the incident is examined, the more and more we were realizing this was crazy. Not in the way that it was war nerves. There was some stuff going on. Oh, okay? wow. The Japanese military claims it's never flown anything over any American city during World War II. Okay. Yeah. So what was that thing that people saw where, where they were hearing planes or seeing something? And, yeah. oh, that's when they came up with the weather balloon release. But now they're saying that never happened. Oh. So logically, it's the mirage, right? It, it could be anything. But it's still just like, we're, remember, we're post War of the Worlds. We're post all this stuff. You know, it, it, it's, it's crazy what's going on. And the guy who was in charge of all this, yeah, he was a jerk, right? He yeah. was in charge of the West Coast defense system. And okay. he basically was one of those guys who kept getting demoted down and then promoted back up and then demoted down and promoted back up. So he's the guy who puts this whole system together, right? Okay. Of, of, of the militias and the radar guys. And so he's the guy who ultimately took the fall for this. Um, but it took a while. He was able to use this to parlay that into the internment camps. He was so convinced terrible. that the Japanese were plotting against us and that they you know, are the ones who lived with us for generations and, and all that. Uh, now we had some German descendants that were, you know, fifth columnists. That was a thing. It wasn't prevalent like everybody thought, but it did happen to a few people. They were spying on us for the Germans. We have no proof of anybody spying on us for the Japanese, but it probably was happening but I don't even think the Japanese were dumb enough to have someone Japanese spy on, you know. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, like, hmm. anyway. Now, what's happened is, is you start getting into Freedom of Information Act, right? We can all right. start researching these things. And um, we get some fun stuff from this. We get a report that, uh, the police report that at 5 a.m., police report that there's an aircraft that has been shot down. Details not available. Okay. But yet the official report says no aircraft were ever found. Oh. We get a report from a reporter from LA Times who found an area where they had cordoned it off because it was an unexploded artillery shell, one of okay. our artillery shells. Yeah. And they were being very careful picking it up. And they were being very cautious carrying it out for obvious reasons, the bomb squad. And the reporter was like, can I take a picture of it so we can see which anti-aircraft shell it was? And the soldier told him, if you take a picture of this, I will have to end you. Oh, my God. Why would a picture of a shell 
be a, a problem, you know, and unless it's, oh, we, the Japanese would know what type of air anti-aircraft we're using or something was the excuse. Uh, but we think it was because there was something weird about that shell that came in, that maybe there was something that came in. Now, there were five people who died. Like I said, we mentioned that, but the, what happens is in the 1950s, UFOs become a big thing, right? Yeah. We finally start getting, you know, 47 Roswell, but it doesn't become till the 50s when flying saucer becomes the, the term of choice and all that. So two sergeants have now come out saying that they saw silver objects or spherical disc-like shapes moving at about 300 miles an hour at 8,000 feet. And then more officers gathered and a third object came in to sight. Oh, wow. And a test pilot reported seeing a rounded object at about 12,000 feet the day before in the same area. So we oh. started putting all these together and suddenly it's not a war jitters. This could have been something much, much stranger. And... There's this um, base out there, right, called Murak, which is basically where Air Force and the Navy test their supersonic models and stuff now. Okay. But back then, it was uh, testing grounds for jets and things that we hadn't invented quite properly yet. And we were still working on just war planes and stuff. So maybe that would be, a, you know, but the military around there were trained to not be so surprised by strange things in the sky. Okay. Right? Yeah. We've got all the things with flying saucers and all that comes out after this, but the phenomenon wasn't really there then when this happened. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that's why we think that this might have been that strange blimp thing, the cylindrical ship that the searchlights kept hitting and disappearing, but the people sat hearing sounds of planes and all that, we know that the military did launch their own planes to investigate, but that's never talked about. We don't even know what wing went up. That's been completely blacked out from the military archives. You know, it's it's blacked wow. out those reports. So what the heck, why would you black out which squadron went up to investigate weather balloons and a potential air raid attack? Yeah, that's what, okay, okay. Yeah. So all of this is this this weird thing. Um, there's rumors that people found a hole at the end of a hike that they were doing in the neighboring Los Angeles Hills. And they found a 12-foot diameter disc that had hit a lamppost and okay. crashed into the ground. They even said that it had cockpit a cockpit type thing thinking it was some new Japanese craft they reported it and they called the LA Times instead of calling the military and the LA Times found that that article was suppressed that the military told them not to print that article okay so MUFON and all these other networks love this story because what the heck is it right what yeah. happened and what about all these weird little side things that we're determining now now, I highly recommend when you're digging into this, 
remember that this was a jittery time. Yeah. Reports are at best fuzzy. Uh, The ones, the military reports are also a lot of inexperienced guys. This is right as the first days of World War II. So we didn't understand 100% what all the horrors of war were going to entail. We didn't understand bombing. We weren't London that was being bombed daily. So we were convinced it was coming, but it didn't happen. And this is the only incident of this that we know of. Now, the military would likely want to hide the fact that there were things up in the air, that things were going on. So that makes sense to us. Now, what happens is, is years later, the Majestic 12 documents come out, right? And MJ-12 has been debunked because all the documents were typed on the same typewriter. And (laughs) that's because typewriters have like fingerprints. You can tell which drop keys and stuff like that. So all these wonderful military documents. But of course, a lot of conspiracy theorists say, oh, well, they were planted. But one of the things they talked about was the incident in 4042, which is predates the Roswell incident, which means that they captured a craft here, mm-hmm. um, which would explain that missing downed aircraft, right? There's a lot of weird things about this case. So UFO researchers love it. Uh, I would love to hear X's opinion on this event. Well, they think, so let me just, I I need to do the Erica thing. Sorry. First. I want to. Sorry, yep. So we have Pearl Harbor happen. Mm-hmm. Horrific, terrible, tragic, caught basically unaware. They start using radar technology and they're finding a ton of weird crap because they haven't honed it to be able to go, this is specific. Because with any technology, you have to hone it and hone it so that you're not finding Bob the fisherman, you know, out there. Yeah, (laughs) or other things, right? Because new. So then in LA, this thing happens where they there's a craft and they get notified that there's one or more crafts. It's one to three, depending on the reports. Okay. And up to six small planes or three big balloons. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I got it. So there, there are multiple planes coming in. All of a sudden, we're using this radar technology, which if I'm going to play devil's advocate on this, um, uh, you know, alien thing, they probably didn't realize we had. And we're like, whoa, what's this? And the searchlights go up. And I'm quite sure with probably the amount of artillery that was launched at that point in time in the panic of Los Angeles, which is a major metropolitan area, is under attack. They probably loosed way more than they ever admitted that they loosed into the cosmos. So they loose all this stuff. And then later, people potentially find wreckage from the not weather balloons that they're like just kidding weather balloons weather balloons weather balloons weather balloons don't don't look over here pay no attention yeah pay no attention to the weather balloons to the right of you yeah yeah don't look at the crap look at that weather balloon we have stretched out on the paper over there and it's only when people start going wait a wait a minute you know Hang maybe- on a second what we saw was not um, what I would like to refer to as, oh, wait, um, a weather balloon. It and the was... military couldn't black out the police reports or the L.A. Times reports and stuff like that. So 
that's what's why we're getting all this stuff coming to light now that there was much more going on. Now, some people think this is the first time UFOs, modern history, we saw them and the military reacted. There actually is some classic historical things. I'm just going to quickly just mention a couple of things. These are okay. ones that deserve a deep dive later, but one of my favorite, we're going to go, what is, what was the big thing trending last year that the average male thinks about the Roman empire all the time? Yeah. Right? Something like that. It's like every, uh, once a day or something. Yeah, like, once a day at least. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, people like me think about it a lot. And so when I think about the battle of LA, I like to go back. There was this Roman Titus Flavius Josephus, also just known as Josephus. And just prior to the start of the first Jewish-Roman War, I'm not mm -hmm. going to go into all the history, gang. Just trust me. This man was born basically a prophet mm -hmm. and to the Roman Emperor Vespasian. And he talks about cloud chariots that kind of match what we would later find in the Book of Revelations. Okay. Uh, that Jesus said in his second coming would come an army of angels on cloud chariots and stuff. So he's saying that he saw an army in the skies, right? And that they were coming. And then a lot of Roman generals, who all kept their own notes. And a lot of Roman centurions kept their own books because they wanted their books to live on after them. All described seeing the strange things in the sky, fires in the sky, battling. And when you oh. read your descriptions, it is very similar to the Battle of Los Angeles, where some large things came in and then little things came in around it. And it's like mothership, classic, you know, with, with, with very Independence Day-like. Yes, hear. exactly. And these things have been seen, you know, the Roman War against King Mithridates, the Sixth, the Second Punic War, both all mentioned that they're they're used to seeing shifting cloud formations and other things like that. They know what to look for. For some people, like oh, it's you know comets, it's meteors, and all that. They knew that stuff. This was something different to the point where they were documenting it. And Josephus said that this is a sign, you know, and all that. Now the one I'm going to go to real quick, then the big one that. When I think of the Battle of L.A., I look at this incident, and we're going in the Wayback Machine again. This time we're leaving the Roman Empire. We're going to April 14th, 1561, and the German city of Nuremberg, now okay. remembered for other horrible things. But the residents described as what they saw as some kind of aerial battle taking place with the dance of orbs, cylinders, and crosses and a black arrow-shaped object, all followed by some crash landing outside somewhere behind the, behind the city. Oh, wow. And this is one we may do a deep dive on if people really want, because it was basically, again, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and I love one of the documentations, a dreadful apparition occurred on the sun. The first appeared... Two blood-red semicircular arcs shaped just like the moon in a last quarter. And then the color was blood of the sky. And then a dull round ball of black ferrous color. And then on both sides of it were such blood-red ones and other balls in large number. 
And it just goes on and on and on describing these creature, these things that they're seeing in the sky that they think are creatures or something. Definitely what we would say, a UFO, things we don't understand. And this is 1561. It's a little while before the Wright brothers, gang. And this one's well-documented. There's an amazing uh, illuminated text of it that we will put in the show notes there for this one. But also for the Battle of L.A., we will put in the show notes. They just released one of the public domain. They released a public domain, one of the newsreels describing oh. the event, which actually has some just minuscule amount of footage. Now, the photos that the L.A. Times put out were obviously doctored at the time, blocking sections out. And some people say that was them hiding the aircraft or the UFOs. Um, which just leads to the wonderful things with that. So, wow, mm, I'm blown away by this. I had no idea. This and is the tip of the iceberg for this stuff. So, battles in the sky is definitely something we will have to look into more. Um, those historical ones, if you guys want to hear them, I have to do a lot of history with them. So, you know, I know we did a little bit with this too, but this is oh, an experiment. I, I hope you all enjoyed it. I, I thoroughly did. I learned something. And it's very interesting when there's there was not as much control over the media in the past to be able to put a stop to certain well, things being reported. But there was some where they hid whatever that, you know, that newspaper article about the police and the pl down plane. That was wow. completely covered. So, uh, and we have the reports of that, the government saying, please don't print this. Well, um, and our our travel for the day, I would say, um, uh, cause I did it and, yep. um, I put, posted some pictures. You can visit Pearl Harbor. There's an amazing museum that goes over what exactly transpired. And, um, I believe it's the USS Arizona was one of the ships that was sunk and it took two minutes for this entire battleship and all, but I think 34 crew members were yeah. killed in the fact that the ship yeah, most yeah. Most of the deaths at Pearl Harbor were just on the Arizona. Yeah. But, and yeah, not um, to minimize but, any deaths, but yeah. The bulk of that crew was the what the most of the casualties were. Yes. Um, no, um, I would highly there. recommend there is a wonderful there is a movie called Battle of Los Angeles, which was a science fiction version of this that takes place in the you know more modern times. Do not watch that one. I would okay. say watch. 1941 by a young up-and-comer named Steven Spielberg. It's considered by many as his first box office bomb, although it was very successful, just wasn't as successful as Jaws and Close Encounters. Now, he had stumbled on the Battle of L.A. while studying Close Encounters, while researching that. And so he decided to make this comedy film with uh, David Zucker that who would later go on to do Airplane and other things like that based on what you know the wonderful tales that were coming out of this weird period in world war ii where we were on things now he sets it at christmas time so we're still post december and he also it's a comedy of errors where a guy is trying to get uh, a young tim matheson is trying to get a young christy allen into uh, an airplane because that's what she's turned on by so <laughs> he on this madcap thing to try to get her into a plane while at the same time they bring in the Japanese sub from Santa Barbara 
and it's off oh, course. Wow. And Christopher Lee is a an advisor Nazi for some reason on the sub. It's an amazing movie. It's got all the madness that you would expect from a uh, a wild comedy uh, with Spielberg's eye. And it even brings in a couple of things that happened on the East Coast where they were giving anti-aircraft to civilians. And uh, a guy almost blows up his house in Maine, but they do move it into this movie and it does happen in California <laughs> during the, the battle for L.A., um, but I highly recommend you watch it and just enjoy it. It's 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 a fictionized version of what happened, but it's a blast. Oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. And of course, feel free to go visit LA whenever you want to. It can yeah. be very fun out there. So travelers, we would love to hear if you've heard anything of these stories. And yeah. um, as always, you know, um, please feel free to email us at info at eerietravels.com or marketerietravels.com or go through our website. So um, as we're starting off this new year in UFOville, Mark, what do you have to do to round out this particular episode? I would say, as always, gang, keep watching the skies. And uh, just remember that uh, what you're seeing up there, that big flying silver disc, may not just be a weather balloon but it might be a chariot of fire <laughs> or some sort of fun apparition. But I also say that it could also be visitors from beyond and we will see you on the other side. <laughs>